0: hello golf fans and welcome to episode 76 of the We Sports Chronicles podcast. I'm Lucas Weis, your host. Thank you so much for taking the time. The We Sports Chronicles podcast this week is doing daily episodes because it is Masters week and while the masters normally takes place in the spring in April, it takes place in November this year under strange and unique circumstances but, will take any bit of semblance of normalcy in this year. Given that the Masters is this week, I'm doing daily podcasts starting today, Monday, all the way through the conclusion of the Masters on Sunday. I have the opportunity to speak with some of the best and brightest minds in golf media as we navigate through the storylines of this fantastic Masters tournament, as well as breaking down what happens during the 2020 Masters. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday will be pre-tournament dialogue, whereas Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday will be more reactionary podcasts to what we've been seeing on the golf course. For episode 76 today, I'm pleased to be joined by Bob Herrick. Bob is a senior golf writer for ESPN. Bob and I have a wide ranging conversation about covering this Masters tournament with no spectators to his responsibilities, not only writing for ESPN, but also as a broadcaster, given that ESPN has some of the broadcasting rights of the Masters. We also talk about Bob's experience covering major championships and his approach that he takes during these special weeks. And then we dig deeper into some of the storylines that are headlining this year's unprecedented Masters Tournament. The Wii Sports Chronicles podcast is available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, so make sure to like, rate, watch, and subscribe to all three of those channels. Enjoy the Masters, and now let's get started with the Masters Week of Podcasts on the Wii Sports Chronicles with Bob Herrick of ESPN. Bob, welcome. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me. Glad to do it. Love talking about the Masters. It's a good subject. So, uh, looking forward to getting going.
0: Absolutely. And of course, it is in April for, for the listeners listening, it is November and, and it's actually one of the thir- I think one of three times that the Masters has been held not in its normal uh, April date. So, obviously it's it's where we are right now in 2020, such a strange yeah. unprecedented year. But I'm just curious, Bob, what your thoughts are heading into next week. We're we're recording this podcast just a week before the Masters. You are going to be there live at Augusta National. So just your thoughts on reporting this uh, historic event.
1: Yeah, it's going to be unique. Um, You know, I think we're all sort of curious um, to see what we find when we get there what's it going to look like what's it going to be like without spectators how will the golf course play um, you know it's just so many unknowns and you know I think this is why the idea of having it even in these tough times even without spectators um, you know it, it's, it's going to be different in some ways I think people might not like it but I do think that um, it gives us sort of an opportunity get a look at a very very famous place at a different time when we normally wouldn't do it um and with the knowledge that you know the next masters is only five (laughs) months away uh so uh i'm i'm just there's many many things i'm curious about and um you know i think it's just going to be an odd situation to to be there and and not see fans and and not be the yelling and the noise and uh, all that sort of stuff but but i think we've come to terms with that in sports right now you know that's just the way it is and it's probably going to be that while for a bit longer and and uh so now it's the masters turn to see how they how they pull it off
0: you mentioned some things that are going to be different of course no spectators in attendance and for anyone that's watched the masters or attended the masters knows the roars of augusta are always so prevalent and even the golfers can hear which sort of lets them know what they have to do on a certain hole. But in addition to that, Bob, what are you most interested in seeing regarding how Augusta is going to play in November compared to the normal April time slot?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, this this is a topic that, uh, that's, that's obviously very much at the forefront of what we're all wondering. Um, but, you know, in April, the conditions can be wildly different. It can be very, very warm. It can be dry. The course could be firm and fast. It could be very cold. It could be chilly and windy. It could be damp. We could have, we we could have a little of both. We could have some rain that softens it and then it gets windy and firm. Uh, it could be hot early in the week and then cools off. And so I'm not sure it's going to play that much different than any other random year in april we don't get the same conditions in the spring every year you know it can go from uh being a week in the 50s and you know very chilly and, and cold mornings to a very you know temperate 70 degrees 75 every day with chilly mornings but it warms up and so that impacts the golf you know the main thing is is will it be firm and fast or is it going to be soft and obviously a lot of that has to do with if we get rain uh you know, it's it's still early. There is a little rain in the early week forecast, but I don't think every day they have that sub-air system to to suck the water out of the fairways and get things drier. Um, I think we all would love to have a firm, fast Masters. And instead of the ball rolling into the into the rough, uh, you know, with, with pine cones, maybe we're going to see leaves. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. It's been warm, so I don't know that the leaves have fallen there yet. They've had a pretty warm stretch up to this point. I don't know that fall has kicked in uh but it might next week and uh, you know that would add another element to this so i think the golf course isn't necessarily going to play a whole lot different than what we're used to uh based on the weather you know it can be a very it could be a weather week that we would have in april
0: of course and and, and we also may not see the the azaleas in full bloom like, mm-hmm. like like we normally do in april and so many of us uh love those images but It's also interesting, I think, too, Bob, about the golfers coming into this week because in a normal year with the Masters in April, a lot of the golfers are sort of preparing from like January to April, right? With the California swing and then the players in March, all sort of leading up to this first major. But now that the Masters is the third and final major of 2020, how do you think just the, the, the truncated change in schedule will affect? guys coming into this week because i feel like they're just going to be a disparity some guys have played more leading up to this week and whereas others not so much
1: yeah you know there's there was a kind of a defined timeline leading up to the masters when it's in april you know and guys would kind of set their schedule with that in the back of their mind you know maybe not so much in january but as february rolled around they're looking at a um you know a a number of events that they have to pick and choose from. And if you start as early as uh, the Genesis Invitational Tigers event at Riviera, you have that. The following week, you had a World Golf event in Mexico. Then after that, you had the Honda in Florida, Bay Hill, the Players' Championship, another big tournament. Two weeks after that, the match play. So you had a smattering of events that were pretty big to choose from, and a guy could be as competitive or, you know, tournament ready as he wanted to be. Now, it the, the choices are different. After the US Open in September, there was obviously going to be a little bit of a lull. There was a fairly big buildup to that through the end of the PGA Tour season of 2020. And guys, out, you know, then that, that the US Open was two weeks after the Tour Championship and some guys needed to take a deep breath. And now how, you know, here's the Masters right around the corner. Um, The tour did give them three pretty solid events right uh, here the last month. The two in Las Vegas, uh, the second one was the relocated CJ Cup, and then the Zozo Championship. We saw a lot of guys at those three tournaments. I think they saw those as their pre-tournament, pre-masters prep. There's a good number of guys playing the Houston Open this week who would normally like to play the week before the Masters and it's and as it has happened in many years before not anymore the Houston Open was the week before the Masters so at least the location is the same but I, I definitely think it's different and then you had some guys look the situation we're in we've had some guys who tested positive for COVID mm-hmm. number one Dustin Johnson he missed two tournaments he would have played he's playing in Houston but he was supposed to play Vegas and Zozo Adam Scott was supposed to play Zozo tested positive. He's playing in Houston. Tony Fino missed two tournaments because of it. Uh so, you know, that has has figured into it as well. Um and uh, so you've got guys coming at this from completely different uh frames of reference from what we're used to.
0: Absolutely. And I'll get to some of the players and the storylines in just a bit, but Mike Davis, the CEO of USGA at the U.S. Open, mentioned something really interesting in how back in March and April, when sports were shutting down, including golf, that there was this meeting between all the heads PGA Tour and all the heads of the four major uh, major governing bodies of golf, and there was a chance where the U.S. Open couldn't be played in September in its in that in that time slot, and I'm just curious, Bob, from from your reporting. How close was Augusta to potentially not having the Masters this year?
1: You know, I, I, I don't know if it was close, mm. but I think it was certainly on the table. Mm. And, and the reason being more that, you know, they want it to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And they want to do it absolutely right. And now what you've done is you had this buildup to the April Masters that they had been planning for you know, it's, an, it's a year-long uh, exercise. You know, they have a system. You know, they break down the previous one and then they start getting ready for the next one. And obviously when the club opens in October, they're looking ahead to April and they had all that time leading up to it. And then what, three weeks before, it gets postponed. And they actually closed the club, you hmm. know? So now the golf course isn't being used and there's other things in play. And so then... They don't even have a date. It took another, what, three, four weeks before they picked this date. And I think it's safe to assume that they clearly thought they were giving themselves enough time for us to be back to normal by now. now. With seven months, early April, when they picked this date, and looking seven months ahead, I think probably we all felt, okay, spectators will be back. It might not be exactly the same, but you know, they'll. It'll be more normal and then we'll have another Masters in April. Obviously, you know, that hasn't happened. And so I think from their standpoint, there might have been some of that. Also, knowing that as soon as this ends, you know, they got the next one Mm -hmm. right down the pike. And a lot of uncertainty about that now, too. Mm -hmm. Are there going to be spectators in April? Are we going to be at the point where we can do that even then? So, um, you know, these are huge undertakings running these golf tournaments. There's a reason why they're only once a year and uh, so I I don't know if it was close I think they they really wanted to play it I think they really wanted to play it with spectators and uh, having seen other tournaments go on without spectators I'm guessing helped push them over the line to say okay we can do that too and uh, so here we are and uh, you know it's going to be unique but um, but I you know a credit to them I think for trying to pull it off and and given the players the opportunity to have a Masters this year, you know, we pretty much had a, a you know, after that shutdown, a, a really robust schedule. Mm-hmm. For golf, things have worked out pretty nicely.
0: No, absolutely. And, and I certainly credit what the governing bodies have done, the players, the PGA Tour, just in terms of the protocols and, and getting over that little bump in the road to ensure that golf can be played safely. To that point, Bob, is Augusta national going to be testing players, but before they come to, to the course as well as media and other necessary people that are going to be on site.
1: Yes. I mean, just like all the tour events, the players and caddies are required to be tested before they can go on site. Uh, and it's the same for the media, which isn't the case at every PGA tour event. Uh, but is at the masters mm-hmm. and, um, You know it's it's one little step in the process of trying to keep everyone safe as we've learned it's not a foolproof process you know you can take a test and be negative and you know have picked up the virus the day or two before and it's not going to show up you know but it does give you some sense i think if you're doing the right thing so Yeah. You know, and obviously that in, from the player standpoint, if somebody tests positive, they're out of the masters, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's a huge deal, you know, for that to, uh, to occur. So, um, you know, fingers crossed that everybody makes it through this, you know, this week in Houston too, if anybody were to test positive there, that puts the masters in jeopardy Mm -hmm. for them as well. So, um, you know, this is what, this is the new world we're Mm -hmm. living with right now. It's a little bit dicey and, uh, you know, through no fault of of their own, you know you could get caught up in this uh, uh, if you're not if you're not lucky.
0: Bob, you've covered several masters. Maybe you can maybe take the listeners through sort of your process when covering this tournament because ESPN is one of the the broadcast rights holders along with CBS. So I'm just curious how this week is so different than so many of the other tournaments that you cover as a golf writer.
1: Yeah. Well, even if it weren't the pandemic, you know, the masters is a different challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, we've all pretty much in this world, gotten used to having our phones attached to our hip <laughs> and uh, you know, looking at our phones and texting and tweeting and all those things. And you can't do that at the masters. You can't take your phone out of the media center. It cannot be brought onto the golf course. So that's one aspect that takes some getting used to. Um, you know, where we're located is a bit of a distance from the course, too. So you need to kind of, you know, plot your, your timing and, as to if you're going to go out there, like, okay, how, how long is it going to take me to get there? There's a, there's a shuttle system usually. Uh, you know, if I spend two hours out here, I'm out of communication with my superiors, with my place of employment, you know, what they might want from me. So you, you've got that to work through. Um, uh, you know, and, in, and in these times, the, the access to the players is limited, too. With you know, They're trying to obviously make sense. We're we are not going to have crowded interview sessions. We're not going to be have a swarm of people in the interview room. It's going to actually be less. They're actually having indoor interviews, just mm-hmm. very well spaced. The outdoor interviews where, where some of the players would go if they don't come to the interview room, there will be some opportunities there, but obviously limited. You know, you can't have 20 of us packed in together trying to interview Tiger, which happens, you <laughs> know, at the Masters. That won't happen this time for obvious reasons. You know, we can't, we can't do that right now. So um, those are some of the challenges. Um, I'd like to get there, walk the golf course, just get a feel for it, see if anything's changed. It sort of a, gives you a good vibe, <laughs> it's kind of a good working vibe to get out there and see what it looks like. Uh, and take it all in again. And uh, and then, you know, there's just, you know, a dozen storylines every Masters that you have to pursue. And this year, I think we're going to be looking at, you know, what's it, what's it going to look like out there? What's it going to play like with no spectators? Bryson is obviously a big story with his added length. Tiger defending champion. You know, Dustin Johnson, number one in the world. Can Rory get the career grand slam? Does Phil have another one in him? You know, there's a lot of things that uh that, that we have to pursue which is what makes it such a great event
0: so you mentioned how there's all these storylines of course any masters has them but especially this one this year do you pick like how many weeks before do you pick the storylines that you were going to focus on and then how many do you sort of reserve for the tournament to let's say let a storyline happen that you may not have predicted
1: Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny in normal times in the, in the April time frame, we start, um, sort of brainstorming ideas in the fall, <laughs> like now, like this time of year, you know, we kind of come up with a laundry list of things that we want to work on. And, uh, and we had done that last year, some of them ran in April, some of them will run again. Some of them never saw the light of day and will. But there obviously were a lot of things coming off of last year's Masters to Pursue in relation to Tiger. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we had a big piece that ran April, it will run again uh, here next week, where we talked to dozens of people throughout the sports world and actually the entertainment world too. Where were you, what (laughs) were you doing when Tiger won the Masters? And, you know, it's pretty, uh, uh, obviously it shows how popular that win was and how big of a deal it was. Um, so those sorts of things we're working on in advance lead up and a lot of that stuff is done before we get there. Then what you do is, you know, we typically do, we just sort of try to react to what happens, what's said, you know, who's doing what, um, you know, what, what they're saying about the course, what they're saying about the speed of the greens, maybe, uh, maybe there's a, you know, an interesting story among one of the amateurs that sh- that's, that's, uh, you know, so you sort of wait for that week, obviously. We've got a lot of that to deal with next week. There's going to be so much new that uh, I think it's imperative to to wait and see. You know, what what do we see? What does it look like? How does it play? What do the players think of it? You know, um, and, and how does it sound? You know, I, you know, I've said this many times. I mean, can you imagine Tiger winning the way he did last year with nobody around the 18th green? <laughs> I mean, part of that makes me a little sad, mm-hmm. you know, um, because that was such a great scene. Uh, you know, a moment for, for history forever, you know? And so uh, um, that, it won't look that way this year. And will that take away from it?
0: Bob, let's go to that Masters last year, because I think it's, you know, it's been over a year since that epic win happened of Tiger. and, And it not only was such a historic moment for golf, but everyone on in the sports and entertainment world, as you said, talked about that moment. I'm just curious, a year later, what was something that you remembered from that day that maybe doesn't get talked about as much, or or, but that that just sort of captures the essence of what that moment meant for the sport of golf?
1: Well, you know, I'm not sure that it's... I I think it's been talked about, but um, the greeting that he got coming off of 18... Uh, from all the other players who waited, you know, uh, several of whom he's just beat, hmm. you know, the fact that they were there to congratulate him and sort of revel in it, that win with him, I thought was really, really neat. That didn't happen in 97 when he hmm. won the Masters. That didn't happen in 01 and 02 and 05. Those were singular victories, a guy who was on top and who was expected to maybe do that? This time it was completely different. I mean, if you if you think about it, Tiger didn't do a whole lot leading up to the Masters last year. I mean, he did okay. You know, he was twentieth at Torrey Pines, he was fifteenth at Riviera, he was tenth in Mexico. Um, he didn't have a great Players Championship, but he was fifth at the Match Play. He actually made it to the uh, to the quarterfinals. Um, And so his results were trending nicely, but he wasn't really contending. Then he wins the Masters. Then he plays six more times in the the rest of that season. The PGA, he missed the cut. U.S. Open he tied for 20th, I think. Uh, Didn't really do anything. Didn't look good. You know, so like he had this pre-tournament stretch of four or five events where he was okay, but not great. Then wins the Masters then has six tournaments where he really doesn't do anything. I mean, so there was like, what, what a 12-13 tournament stretch there where the Masters is where it all came together. And li- lightning in a bottle, I don't, I don't think that's harsh. I don't think that was the case. Certainly, Tiger didn't get lucky. You yeah. know, he, he played very, very nicely, did what he had to do. Um, but he put it together that one week. You know, and then it was a long time again before we put it together. He won again last fall and played great there for a couple of months, hero and at the president's cup. And now all of 2020 really hasn't done anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, we might look back on it on like how even more unlikely that win was given what we've seen him deal with, you know, before and after.
0: One for me, watching it as a viewer from home, Tire. it's the first of his majors where he's one coming from behind. Other than that shot on 16, it wasn't like he had like the big long putt or the great shot. It was just sort of plodding along. And all the golfers making those mistakes at, at the 12th hole, the par 3. But then I just think of that moment on the 18th. And, and you made the great point about how like if there were no fans there, would have had the same impact. Because I remember... CBS doing like two minutes of just silence and letting the the pictures tell the story and Tiger hugging his kids and just everyone around there yelling Tiger. And I just think that it sort of alludes to the column that you wrote recently, how, you know, Tiger coming into this Masters, maybe not playing as well, but he knows this course better than almost everyone out there. And I think we can't, we have to really appreciate that, especially in terms of giving him Somewhat of a chance uh, to defend yeah. the title.
1: I think we're fools to write him off. Mm-hmm. You never know. And you know, he's been um, working on things for Augusta. He always, you know, Tigers, Tigers not comfortable hitting a draw. He'd rather hit a fade, you know, a, a draw off the tee. You know, it's a shot that gives him some trouble once in a while. And. He really needs to hit a draw off at 10. He really needs to hit a draw off at thirteen. Uh, fourteen to some extent. Those are shots that he had down last year, you know, and, and being able to, to to curve it around the corner at 13 is really big. And on Sunday he did it. You know, on you know, we as you noted, the, the great shot on sixteen, obviously, but he hit two pretty good shots to get to thirteenth and two, mm-hmm. two on fifteen. He gave himself easy birdies. Not everybody did that. Um, and, uh, you know, he hit the shot he needed on 12. Mm-hmm. Hit it right smack dab in the middle of the green. He had a long pup, but It was in the middle of the green, you know, while the other guys were messing around in the water. So um, is he able to, you know, to find that in, in this time? You know, uh, is the short game solid enough to make up for when you're inevitably going to miss greens? Uh, you know, he certainly knows the greens. He um he, and, and, it, and I think the place gives him a boost, you know. So um, I certainly wouldn't put it past him. Uh, but um, there's been some troubling things that we've seen, uh, you know, throughout the post-shutdown uh, golf of his. You know, he's not played the par fives great, not dominated them like he needs to do. Um, just, you know, just not giving himself enough chances. You know, and and mostly because he's not getting it in play off the tee to where he can hit a great second shot up there. Can he get that dialed in? Um, you know, I think that's the you know the the great mystery that we're all kind of looking forward to seeing.
0: Another one of the storylines, as you mentioned, is Bryson DeChambeau, who's the 2020 U.S. Open champion, and there's rumors that he's going to use a 48 inch driver, and and I mean, I'm just curious, Bob. If he dominates Augusta with that big, long power game and being able to hit, you know, so you know, bombs off the tee and, and driving greens, will this lead to a change from the higher ups of the PGA Tour in terms of distance? Because I know that even Tiger mentioned, I think at the Zozo, that you sort of let the genie out of the bottle, right, in terms of the in terms of distance, and now this is what's happened and. Here's Bryson just sort of exposing a loophole in the game and, and succeeding.
1: Yeah. Tiger actually, I think got his metaphors and cliches mixed up. He said that he let the genie out of the bag. Yeah. We knew knew what he meant. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, this is a hard one because, because a rollback of equipment is not easy. Mm -hmm. You know, I get where people are coming from. They say that, but, if you take 10% off the ball, do we really want a player to go from hitting it 300 to 270? Hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know that that's the answer at this point. Um, You know, maybe there could be a slight reduction, a couple of percentage points in the ball. And then other things, you can do things like, you know, the the face of the driver, the loft of the driver, Um, you know, has to be a certain loft, you know, that, there's other equipment measures that possibly could could make things be less, um, you know, uh, you know. I I I guess I guess I guess to where they can't, um, you know, hit it the way they're hitting it, and so. Uh, but none of these things are easy, you know. I just don't think any of them are an easy solution, you know. But is is making golf courses long and longer uh, the best way to do this is, is growing rough up to their knees the best way to do this you know um, is, is um, there's just so many aspects to the whole distance issue that um, that I'm not sure what they should do mm-hmm. you know I, uh, uh, I one thing I will say about Bryson though is he still has to get the ball on the green mm-hmm. he still has to chip he still has to make putts as impressive as, as, as that stuff has been for him, he's followed through on the other aspects of the game. You know, and Augusta's no easy place. I mean, no. just because you bomb it out there doesn't mean you're gonna gonna be able to knock it close and make the putt. So, it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, I wish there was an easy answer to this mm-hmm. dilemma, because you can't keep, the, keep going and have golf courses remain relevant given what we're
0: seeing. No, for sure, and I think the point that you made about Augusta being difficult, like TV just doesn't do justice for the slopes of the greens. And especially if it's firm and fast, Bryson will still need his short game to be on tip top shape for him to contend. Bob, I mean, like I said earlier, you've covered a lot of masters and and there's something as a journalist, I feel whether it's Tiger last year, who knows what happens this year of writing that, final round story and and whatever it happens do you you, is that one of the best moments for you as a writer being able to get to that space and and write that really great column or or story and and do you feel like especially this year maybe extra pressure to really succeed just given where the masters is in november and, and how important this event is given the 2020 that we've had
1: Hey, I sometimes feel pressure just turning on this computer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just getting a few paragraphs down. I mean, I think the bigger the moment, the more pressure you feel. Mm. Certainly last year, when Tiger 1, you know how epic that was. You know how big of a deal it was. You know how much that is going to be consumed. Um, and, you know, you want to do your best to capture it. And I think that's the trick you know none of us knew starting out that day what was going to happen at the end and then all of a sudden it all comes together and you've got you know kind of a a relatively short period of time you know to put it in words they're going to live on you know and so yeah there is some pressure there i think um you know, I think most self inflicted, we all want to do a good job. We want to capture it the best we can. We want the person who re- reads that story to come away thinking in, and saw something that maybe in the print world, in the digital world, you know, to, to give them something they're not going to get because it's covered so, you know, top to bottom these days. You know, it's all over TV. They're streaming things in golf. You know, there's all kinds of people commenting, um, you know, through social media. And, you know, there's only so much that the players are going to say can you find something that that wasn't visible on tv or through these other means? and i think that's the trick you know and i think that's what we're all trying to do sometimes it's a day later when you get a chance to catch up to more people but uh yeah i'm uh, i always look forward to that
0: how have you adjusted just this year? I know so many journalists that I've had on the show have just spoken about that adjustment phase just because of the fact that they may not have access to players, access to people because of the pandemic. Have you found that adjustment challenging or, or do you think that the relationships that you've built in the game have still allowed you to tell really compelling stories?
1: No, there's no question it's been a big challenge. It wasn't so much of a challenge during the shutdown. Mm. We were all in the same predicament. You know, Nobody was doing anything. There was no golf being played, although there was a lot of news being created. That wasn't so difficult. The contacts and the people that you know through all of that make that easier to weather. Um, but once they started playing, now the players are away from home and they're back into their normal realm and i don't find myself trying to get a hold of players when they're at tournaments i just sort of feel like it's unless it's an emergency it's a big ask my my job is to get them at tournaments and unfortunately i wasn't going to very many you know for various reasons you know we had our issues too in terms of how much are we going to go out when are we going to go out and you know I didn't get to that many tournaments. And, it, and that, that was a detriment to doing this job. And, uh, you know, there's no, I mean, there's just no, no getting around that. Uh, for the majority of my time at ESPN, you know, I'm, I'm out there a good bit. And, and what I'm asked to do relates to that. If, 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 my, if my job weren't covering tournament golf, it wouldn't matter so much. But covering tournament golf from home and getting on Zoom calls and watching it on TV, it's just not the same thing. So, uh, yeah, it's been a huge challenge, and, and it will continue to be. I mean, you know, there's certain decisions that have to be made as to what we're going to go to, travel, um, and, you know, how much access are we going to get? You know, that's losing a little bit. Actually, golf has been good, in that regard, unlike the other sports where, you know, in baseball, basketball, football, you know, they're not off we get a little bit more leeway. We're able to get players in person, distanced, obviously, but that's really important to be able to do that because that way you get a little one on one time. It's not always a group. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I think uh, from the golf standpoint, you know, we've got an opportunity that other sports don't have. And I hope we're able to take advantage of it.
0: One of the interesting things that your network ESPN is doing is on is on Saturday. It's cross-platforming with ESPN College Game Day to have Game Day at Augusta National. I don't know if you know the ins and outs or or, or whatnot, but was Augusta National pretty you know accepting of of that reality, or, or did it take much convincing to have Game Day come to? augusta national for this really unique opportunity
1: it's a great question i wish i knew the answer (laughs) i don't know how that came down i guess i would say i'm somewhat surprised Mm. that's really out of augusta's comfort zone Mm. to do something like that it probably works better because there are no fans Mm. because that game day environment typically has a lot of fans with it you know um Uh, I do wonder, um, just as, you know, a consumer of the sport like everyone else, not an ESPN employee, if not having a par-3 contest had some impact on that. Because the par-3 would have been something ESPN would have televised. That would have been a live thing on Wednesday, which isn't happening. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm sure there'll be other Masters programming, but not a live thing like that. I wonder if they negotiated in some way, all right, look, we can't do that, but can we do something else? And they went to him with the college game day idea. Um, And, you know, from Augusta's point of view, it's a great way to still promote the golf, you know, because you have a lot of people that tune into that college football show who might just be casual golf people or they might not really care that much and obviously college football is going to dominate and it might say to them hey you know what i'm going to watch this today you know and and i'll put i'll i'll put the college football aside for those couple of hours and so from their standpoint i think it's um it's pretty shrewd because it might bring more people on board especially if they have a great weekend setting up you know a good storyline it's close some big names are in the mix. You're going to be talking about going into the weekend. I granted, the show is going to be mostly about college football, but there's going to be some golf talk in there. It's inevitable, and uh, you know, so uh, that's I think is a good thing for uh, for the Masters.
0: You got your first exposure to golf as a caddy at Inverness Golf Club. You began contributing to ESPN.com in 1997. How have you evolved, Bob, as a golf writer over the years? And what do you think someone who's aspiring to be a broadcaster and and cover golf needs to have in 2020 to succeed in an ever-changing industry? The
1: the big word I use there is versatility. Mm. Because when I was coming up, I didn't have versatility. I was a print newspaper guy through and through. I mean, there, there wasn't the social media that we have today. There wasn't, really, there wasn't the internet like we have today. You know, it was fledgling at that time. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, I wrote for a newspaper, and, you know, you, you wrote your story, and nobody saw it until the next day. You know, now we write things and its immediate. You know, and you've got to be able to do things like this. You know, I I, I do TV some. I, I'm on radio. I do podcasts like this. I take videos sometimes. I have to do essays. These are all things I never did in a previous life, you know. And you have to, you know, you have to write long stories. You have to write game stories. You have to write features, columns, long form, you know. That's why I say versatile, you know. And, but I think the, the big thing, the thing it all goes back to is all of those things require really good reporting. You know, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to do a good job in any of those things if you don't report. And that means, you know, doing your research, asking questions, seeing things, getting out there and, uh, you know, getting out there obviously is the key. That's the starting point for all that reporting.
0: Last question for you, Bob, in all your years covering the masters, what's been your most memorable moment as a golf writer and why?
1: Well, there, there've been several, I mean, I hate to go with recency bias, but it's really hard to top last year. Mm. I mean, it really is. I mean, I was there for his first one and that was obviously historic for, for many reasons. And, you know, there have been a lot of really good ones along the way. Um, You know, there've been some, some great, great masters over the years. You know, um, I was there when Norman blew it against Aldo, too. Um, You know, now, obviously, all of Tiger and Phil's wins were really, really compelling. But it's just really hard to top last year when you you factor in all the different things. I mean, it had been 11 years since Tiger won a Masters, or excuse me, since he had won a major championship. Um, It had been 14 years since he last won the Masters. All the things that he had gone through, uh, I mean, really just two years prior is when he had the spinal fusion surgery that, you know, could have ended his career, you know, and he was at the Masters Champions Dinner in 2017 telling people he thought he might be done, you know, and so two years later at, at age, uh, I guess what was he? he was 43 at age 43 to win the Masters. Um, And beat all those guys, Xander, Dustin Johnson, Kepka, Webb Simpson. They were all up there. You know, uh, it's just hard to top that. I mean, it's just such an enormous win for him, for the sport. Um, And, you know, obviously he's filled with a lot of drama on that last day.
0: Bob Herrig is a senior golf writer for ESPN. Make sure to check out Bob's work during Masters Week across all ESPN platforms. Bob, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today on this Masters edition of the Wii Sports Chronicles podcast. Thanks for
1: having me. Enjoy the week.